uh, I say series, but it's kind of like a big kind of series, and then we're going to divide it up into mini-series. But we are going to start, and we're going to be in this for the next couple of months in the book of Acts. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn to the book of Acts, you know, time just goes really quick. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the faster time just becomes. I can't believe it's football season already. I mean, it feels like yesterday the Super Bowl was happening, and Cundiff was shanking his kick, you know, and um, we didn't make it to the Super Bowl. But, uh, um, but next week, this church is going to turn two years old next week. And uh, I just can't believe it's like having this little baby and just seeing it grow. And it was like, you know, like holding in your, in your arms and now it's running around and you can't keep control of it. And, uh, you, you know, it's getting to every little nook and cranny uh, like a normal two-year-old. But we turned two years old next week. And, you know, these two years have been similar to uh, the development of a child over two years. We've had lots of joy and we've had lots of laughter. I'll be honest, I've made so many good friends over the last two years, and uh, we've laughed, and, uh, uh, and we've had so much joy. But you know, there's been some tears, there's been some pain as well, there was some messiness uh, from here and there, we've seen a lot of development, we've seen a lot of growth, we've seen good times, we've seen some bad times, there's been some mistakes and some immaturity that, that, that has gone on. But after two years, we're starting to get a picture of what the personality of Generation Church is, and it will be for many years to come. And I believe as we start to turn two years old, I believe now is the time for us as a church and also as individuals to really start to learn, to grow, to develop, and to multiply. Learn, grow, develop and multiply. So over the next several months, what we're going to be doing, and I hope you guys don't get bored with it, we'll we'll jump around different verses in the Bible and different books, but I feel in my heart that the Lord is leading us to study the book of Acts and go through the book of Acts. And the reason for this is because the book of Acts shows us the path a church should take as it develops and it multiplies. It also gives us insight into how individual believers should walk in faith, and it gives us a glimpse of what can be and what should be taking place within our church. So if you have your Bible this morning, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. The, the book of Acts, uh, if you don't know where Acts is, go to the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then it's followed by Acts. And the, basically, the longer name for Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. Or I'll kind of translate that because we're not like Shakespeare and we don't have acts and things like that. It's more like the stories of the apostles. That's basically the name of the book, the stories of the apostles. And the book of Acts was written by a man called Luke. Now it's it's, uh, widely believed that Luke was a doctor. And this is important because I don't think we've got any doctors here this morning. But doctors normally aren't like the rest of us. Now, me, I have a, uh, a problem because when I tell a story, I like to exaggerate a little, elaborate on the story, make it look much better than probably what it was. But doctors don't do that. The majority of doctors, they tell it how it is. They're factual people. And so it's important to know that, that Luke is a doctor. 
Because over the next several months, we're going to hear the stories of the apostles and what happened. And this isn't coming from an elaborate storyteller. This is coming from a doctor who basically just tells the fact. He tells what it is. He calls a spade a spade. And so when we hear the stories, know that it's coming from a doctor and not just some author or some elaborate storyteller. So then this book was written by a man called Luke. And uh, Luke uh, also wrote another book. And he got real original with the name of this book. He called it Luke. And so there's Luke. And Luke was basically a book all about the life of Jesus as he walked this earth. The things that Jesus took place. Well, the book of Acts is like the sequel. But the book of Acts is all about the life of Jesus as he works in and through the people of his church. And so what we're going to be discovering, we're going to be discovering how Jesus works through the church of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we call this Generation Church, but we're part of a wider church, a global church. And we're we're going to see the stories of how Jesus desires to work through each and every one of us, because we are part of the church of Jesus Christ. So we see in the first section of this book, and let's read it, Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. And this is what it says. I just lost my mark. I pulled it out. Sorry. Okay. Acts chapter 1. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theo uh, Philippius, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Then verse 4 says, Once when he was eating with them, He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, let's pause there for a moment. What we see here, we see that Luke is writing this letter or this book to his friend, Theophilus. And he lets him know that Jesus not only rose from the dead... But when he rose from the dead, he then started to interact with his disciples. He taught them. He even performed some miracles. And and he set up his believers so that when he would depart, they would be able to change and impact the world like never before. Now Luke here, in in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he makes a note of one of the many things that Jesus says. So there's a point where where Jesus died on the cross. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And then there's a span of time from when Jesus rose from the dead to when Jesus was what we call ascended into heaven. He left this earth and went into heaven. Well, in between that time, Jesus taught his disciples many things. Not all of them are recorded in, in the Bible. But one thing that Luke tells us is this, is that Jesus tells his disciples one thing. And this is what he tells them, wait, wait. When I'm gone, wait. Don't do anything. Wait, stay where you are. 
He told them, don't move. Don't draft a huge plan like a, a, a five-year or a ten-year plan. He told them, uh, don't, don't go on vacation. Don't go back to your old lives. But wait. And this is what you must wait for. You must wait for a gift. And this gift is called the Holy Spirit. A gift called the Holy Spirit. Now, when I mention the word Holy Spirit, our church, we're made up of many different backgrounds. Some of you are Pentecostal, and you hear Holy Spirit, and you're like, woohoo! Some of you, though, are Baptist, and you're like, oh no, Holy Spirit. Some of you uh, are from Methodist, or, or, or a Catholic background, or maybe a Presbyterian background. Um, uh, and, and some of you, you, when you hear the words Holy Spirit, you, you have all these different thoughts going on in, in your mind. But the Holy Spirit, it's not something to be spooked out about. It's not something that uh, maybe you see like a TV evangelist talking about, but regular Christians don't partake in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, isn't something that uh, is just for one section of people, but not for others. No, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to His church. It's God's gift to his church. It's like his parting gift. When, when he left to heaven, he gave a gift, and it was called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is as relevant today as it was in the book of Acts. In fact, there's something, that, and let's very quickly just talk about a theological term. There's something that, that we Christians call the Trinity. And the Trinity is basically three parts that make up of God. You've got the Father... Then you've got the Son, which was Jesus, and then you've got the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is a vital part of your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the thing is, you cannot have a church without the Holy Spirit. If you want to do away with the Holy Spirit, then you're not a church. Because a church is the body of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is part of Jesus Christ. You know, you cannot have Jesus without the Holy Spirit. But you also can't have the Holy Spirit without Jesus. They come hand in hand. And, and I'm from a Pentecostal background. And I hope I don't offend anybody because I still, you know, go woohoo, you know, and stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm just, that's from my background. But what I grew up, I grew up with a lot of Holy Spirit, but not a whole lot of Jesus. But what I see, I see in a lot of other people, they have a whole lot of Jesus but they don't have much Holy Spirit. They like the words and the, and the lessons of Jesus, but they want to stay away from the Holy Spirit. But then I saw growing up, there was a lot of people who had the Holy Spirit, and they liked all the things of the Holy Spirit, but some of the lessons of Jesus they passed on. And you can't. They come together. Jesus and the Holy Spirit come together. Now, Luke says an interesting phrase here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. He says this. He says that you believers wait Wait when I go, because I'm sending a gift. And this is my gift. My gift is going to come, and just as a guy called John the Baptist baptized people. This is what he did. This man called John, he preceded Jesus. He had lots of followers. And when people followed him, he would take him down to a river called the Jordan River. And he would baptize them in water. And a few weeks ago, we had baptisms here at Generation Church. And, and basically, what, what, what he would do, he would immerse them in water... And then they would come up and they would be a changed person. They would be a different person. It was a symbol to them that they were now followers of John. 
Well, what, what Jesus now is saying, he says, just as John baptized some of his disciples, I am now going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And basically, what, what, what that, is, that means is that the Holy Spirit is for you to be immersed in. It's like, it's like there's a whole lot of water, and it's for you to soak your soul self in. And immerse yourself in the Holy Spirit. And then you emerge as a changed person. As a different person. The Holy Spirit isn't just about feeling good on the inside. It's not just so that we can have great church services. In fact, the Holy Spirit isn't so that you can just like, on your commute on a Monday morning as you're going down 95 and everybody's got road rage, including yourself. The Holy Spirit isn't there just to help you get over your road rage. The Holy Spirit isn't there just so you can get over something that you may be lusting after or some sin that you're struggling with. No, the Holy Spirit is something that you need to be baptized in. Baptized in. Immersed in, soaked in. And this is what God, or what Jesus said to the disciples. To be baptized. To be immersed. To overwhelm you. And when it overwhelms you, it changes you from the inside out. You may be asking, well, that's all very well, but what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? The disciples, that's all they wanted. They wanted Israel to be restored to its former glories. And Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. And Jesus gets back to the point. In verse 8, he says, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Or when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, immerses itself in you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me me everywhere. In Jerusalem, the place they were at. In Judea, which was like their, their, their region or their state. In Samaria, which was like the state over from them. And to the ends of the earth. So Jesus basically says this, when the gift that I'm going to send for you comes, which is the Holy Spirit, it is going to be powerful. It's not going to be some like just weak thing. It's going to be powerful. In fact, Jesus said it's probably going to overwhelm them. And it's not so that they can have a happy, clappy time in church. It's not so that they can make church services a little bit more interesting. No, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is this. And Jesus tells us right here in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is that the church of Jesus Christ can receive power and understanding so that you can go into your local community and tell the story of what Jesus has done in your life. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So that you will receive the power and the understanding so that you can tell people who do not know about Jesus your story. Your story. And then it's to go into communities around about in our region and maybe our state uh, and spread this story. 
And then it's to go out and let this story spread to our nation so that finally people all over the world will hear the good news of how Jesus Christ changed your life through your story. Through your story. Jesus, this was the last command that Jesus gave his disciples. You know, if there was anything that Jesus could have said right at the end of his life, or his time here on earth, I mean, we could think of a ton of things that Jesus could have said. Maybe Jesus says, go and do good works. Go and do more charity work. Maybe go and volunteer more. Go feed the hungry. Go build a big church building. Go meet in a stinky old movie theater. Make sure you have a rocking worship band. Or a great kids ministry. Make sure that church isn't boring. Maybe Jesus could have said that. Make sure it's relevant so that people understand what's going on. Maybe, maybe Jesus could have said, make sure everybody is happy and nobody gets upset. Maybe Jesus says, make sure that you elect a good pastor who doesn't have a British accent. Or maybe Jesus could have said, thou shalt always serve Starbucks coffee on a Sunday morning before you go into church instead of Maxwell House, right? Maybe Jesus should have said, you go and try and be the coolest, hippest church out there. No, Jesus didn't say any of those. This is what Jesus said. Go and be my witness. Go be my witness. Do you know what a witness is? A witness is someone who tells their version of events. In a court of law, you bring up a witness. A witness doesn't try to convince other people. They just tell their story. They tell their version of events. And that's what Jesus is telling you to do. He is saying that when you receive the Holy Spirit, once you receive it, then go and share your story. And this is your story. Jesus Christ has changed your life. So that no longer that you are in a collision course to death and hell, but now you are living a life that is alive, transformed, and changed by Jesus Christ. Forgiven, a life that has hope, a life that has peace, a life that has love, and a life that one day will meet Jesus Christ. And that is what Jesus is telling the disciples. Go be my witnesses. Go tell my story, your story of what I have done in your life. It's not about filling this room with more people. Do you know what it is? It's about filling the kingdom of God with lives that are what we call being born again by the Spirit of God. It's not about just gathering Christians. It's about telling people about what God has done in your life and in turn, God will change their life. And transform their life from the inside out. And this is achieved, I believe, when the Holy Spirit comes upon a church. The words that Jesus used was baptize. And then you gain power to go and tell your story. You know, there's a song that we sing at Christmas. Can you believe that Christmas is like less than four months away? But there's a song that we sing at Christmas. It's, Go tell it on the mountain, over the hill and far away. Go tell it on the mountain, something like that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, the motto of Acts is this. Go tell it on the mountain. 
Go tell it over the hills. Go tell it in the towns and the cities. Go tell it in the workplace. Go tell it in your school. Go tell it in the supermarket. Go tell it to your friends and your families. Go tell it to the stranger or the neighbor that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus Christ has changed and transformed your life. And because of this, your sins have been forgiven and now you have eternal life. That is the motto of Acts. And that is the motto that God gave to his church. And that includes us as well. You know, in Acts chapter 1, in verse 9, it says this. It says, after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So Jesus ascends into heaven. Their great leader has gone from them. And the disciples are there just staring into heaven. And I can imagine going through what's going through their minds. What now? What are we going to do now? I can imagine thinking, Fear coming over them. Maybe a lack of peace that came over them. Maybe questions that they had that they wanted Jesus to answer, but they were left unanswered. And as they're standing there probably wondering what's going what's, what, what, what's to happen, they're asking themselves, what now? When two men appear from heaven, and this is basically what they say, why are you standing here? Why are you staying here looking into heaven? It's time to go time to go. Some of you, you may be waiting. Some of you may be scared. Some of you, you don't want to tell other people about your story because you may think it's too intrusive. Some of you, 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 you may think, well, I need more time. I need to wait for the right opportunity to tell someone. Jesus says, go. Go. You know, years and years ago, there was a famous tightrope walker who uh, decided to uh, uh, walk a tightrope over Niagara Falls. I don't know why he would want to do that. I mean, let's be honest. Why would you want to do that? Anyway, but he decided to do that, and this great crowd emerged and, and, and watched. And so this guy, he started, he walked over Niagara Falls, and he got from one end to the other, and everybody cheered and was like, Woo! Go ahead, go, go. And then he comes back and he walks back. And then he gets a wheelbarrow and he asks them, he says, do you think I can walk over here with a wheelbarrow? With, with a wheelbarrow? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. So he walks over with the wheelbarrow on the tightrope. And he gets to the other side. And everyone's cheering and woohoo, go tightrope walker. And, and then he asks the question. He says, do you think I could put somebody in the wheelbarrow and take them over? And everyone was like, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Go tightrope walker. And then he asked this question, who will volunteer? Who will volunteer? Suddenly, nobody was going to go tightrope walker. They're like, no, tightrope walker. And then one guy at the back was like, I'll do it. 
He's like, okay. He gets in the tightrope. He gets in the wheelbarrow. The tightrope walker takes him over the tightrope. And they get to the other side. Everyone starts cheering again. You know, that story reminded me of some of us. I think we're like that with our story. With our loved ones. With our friends and our families who don't know Jesus Christ. We're like that because we think, well, Jesus... Jesus is like the tightrope walker. And we're on the sidelines cheering for him. And we're like, go Jesus. Go save my friends. Go save my, my loved ones. Go help them. Go help their lives. Go, go and, and, you're, and you're there. You're praying. And you're, you're trying. And you're on the sidelines. And you're cheering for, for Jesus. But Jesus isn't wanting you standing on the sidelines cheering. This is what I believe Jesus wants you to do. I believe Jesus wants you to get in his wheelbarrow and go right over the other side with him and take that step of faith and go and tell others about Jesus Christ. Go tell them about your story. You don't have to learn what we call the Romans road of, of like all the different points of Christianity and how you come to salvation. Just tell people your story. That's it. For many of us, the prospect of sharing our faith is too much. I think it was for the disciples. The disciples at this point, they feared their lives. There were people who wanted to take them out. The disciples, I think, were lost. As soon as they see Jesus ascending to heaven, they're lost. They were grieving because they lost their leader, their mentor, and their savior. They had no direction. They had no vision whatsoever. They had no plan. All they had was a command. And the command was this. Wait. I'm sending a gift. When you get the gift, go tell your story. Go tell your story. And some of you this morning, you may feel like the disciples. And sometimes I feel like the disciples. I feel powerless. And I'll be honest, uh, as a pastor this morning, there are some, some Sundays I get up and I'm thinking, God, I can't do this. I can't get up and give the word of God. Because in my own strength, I can't do it at all. But that's when the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and directs us and helps us and gives us power. But if you feel like that this morning, then you must do what the disciples did. You know, the disciples, when Jesus went up to heaven, the angels appeared. Why are you standing here? What did they do? Did they get together in a big committee and start coming up with all these ideas? They draft a big plan? No, this is what they did. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived... They went upstairs to the upstairs room of a house in which they were staying. They weren't from Jerusalem. They were from Galilee. So they were out of town. And here are the names of those who were present. There was Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And this is the key. They all met together and were constantly in prayer. They all met together 
and they were constantly in prayer. When you don't know what to do, when you may feel scared, when you feel that there may be no hope, when you feel that there may be no vision or no plan for your life, what do you do? Pray. Pray. You know, on August 11th, 1995, the day after I turned 16 years old, all my life people have told me, you're going to become a pastor. And I was like, no, 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 no. No way. Firstly, I want to make money. Secondly, I don't want a stressful life. And I was just like, I do not want to be a pastor. My dad was a pastor, and I did not want to be a pastor. In fact, I was so shy, there was no way anyone thought I could be a pastor, except for like my nice family. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I was, I was like a mama's boy. I was always be by my mom's side. And if, if I didn't know someone, I wouldn't introduce myself because I was just so shy. I wouldn't talk in front of a crowd or anything. On, October, on August 11th, 1995, I was at a youth camp. And we went to the service, and there was this girl that I liked, and I wanted to ask her out, but I was so shy, I couldn't even ask her out. And all service, I was just looking over, checking out this girl. And then suddenly something happened in my life. During the time of the band playing music, to the preacher preaching, to the making this altar call at the end, God started to move upon my life. I loved the Lord. I'd given my life to God. But for some reason, something in my life happened that made me, at the end of the service, get out my seat. I went and knelt at the front of the altar of this little school hall that we were in. And I just started to pray unto God. Trust me, I had this girl on my mind. I did not have God on my mind. But God just overwhelmed me. Over the next two hours, I just felt the Spirit of God just overwhelm me like never before. Almost like a baptism. Nothing weird happened. I just started crying and crying. And as I knelt there, I just heard God said, You will be a pastor. You will be a pastor. I got up two hours later, and what I noticed is that there were other people in the room, and they were just having this incredible experience with God. I was like, whoa, nobody left. And I spoke with my youth pastor at the time, and I went, I said, I feel God is calling me to be a pastor. I went out of that room, I came into that room a shy boy who wouldn't say boo to a goose. I wouldn't recommend it either. I came out of that room, somebody who was determined to go and tell my story to whoever would listen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had come upon my life and it had given me power to go and tell my story. And I believe that you are part of this church for a reason. I believe that you're here this morning for a reason. I don't think it's by chance because I believe that God desires you to be part of His church. And His church is a church that waits for the Holy Spirit, but when the Holy Spirit comes, it gives you power to go tell your story. 
And this morning, you may think, I can never share my faith with anybody. Or I can never go tell somebody, what will they say? Well, wait for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, there is no stopping you. Because the Holy Spirit will give you power. And when you speak the words of your story, people will listen, they will hear, and their lives will be transformed because of what God has done in your life. You know, I believe the years ahead for this church, we turn two years old next week, but I believe the years ahead are going to be fruitful years for this church. You know, my desire is that we plant multiple churches in different, in different communities, in different areas, maybe in Hartford County, in Baltimore County, uh, around in Maryland, wherever. But I believe they will be fruitful. I believe that we as a church, we will send out missionaries to other parts of the United States of America and then to other, other nations around this world. I honestly believe as a church that we will raise up future pastors. We will develop worship leaders. We will raise up people with a heart for kids and for youth. And I honestly believe that through the stories of this church, that communities will be changed. States and nations will be impacted. Why? Because they will hear the stories of a generation. However, first we need the Holy Spirit. And so today, in your life, it's time to pray for the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus told his disciples to wait for the gift, Then they went to pray. And next week we're going to find out what happens when the Holy Spirit came. When the Holy Spirit came upon his disciples, it kind of blows your mind when you read it. But today, I want you to pray. Pray that God will give you power to tell your story. Romans 10 verse 17 says this. It says that, so faith comes... From hearing. Faith comes by hearing, and that is hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you may think, well, I let my lifestyle do the talking. Faith doesn't come by people watching. Faith comes by hearing. And unless we are telling people about what God has done in our lives, people will not find faith. Unless the Holy Spirit comes upon them and helps them. But there's loved ones in your life. There are people in your life. They need to hear your story. They don't need to hear my story or the person next to you. They need to hear your story. So what I want us to do. Brandon's going to pass out some little papers to each of you. And on the paper it says this, it says, who will I share my story with? And there's a space, and there's five lines. And I want you, whether today or throughout the week, to think and pray about five people that you want to share your story with. They can be people who are local. They can be people who are far away people that you see occasionally, people at work, family members, friends, it doesn't matter. But list five people that you think need to hear your story. 
And then over this week, as you list those people, pray. Pray that God will give you the opportunity to tell that story. Pray that God will give you the power that when you share that story, it will be impactful upon their life. And then be intentional this week about just connecting with those people. Whether it's picking up the phone, whether it's, it's getting on Facebook, whether it's sending them an email or a text, or it's like asking them out for coffee. Be intentional about just trying to connect with them. And I believe that God will direct you to the point where you will be able to tell your story to them. And the Bible says that when you become a witness, tell your story. Lives are changed. Lives are transformed. Let's pray.